is still Lord. He still sits up on high. He's uh, the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And uh, we must understand that he has not lost control. He's still in, in control. I'd love to pray, open up in prayer, and uh, let's ask the Holy Spirit that he's always with us, but let's ask him to have his way. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We glorify you. We magnify you. We exalt the name of Jesus that's above every name. His name is above every name. Mighty, wonderful Savior. The precious Jesus, the jewel of heaven that came down to us. And I thank you, Father, for tonight and your word. And, Lord, that you have risen and gone before us, that you've ordained our steps, that you've made our path righteous, you made a, a path that we could follow. And, Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Your word is true. Let us hear what the spirit of grace has to say. We thank you, Father, that our opinions do, does not matter. Only matters what the word of God says. And we abide by your word. We thank you for your love and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So tonight's message, I just wanted to, um, just a little bit of a recap on last week when I was sharing about it's a time to preach the gospel. Now, every day is a time to preach the gospel, but some people inboxed me and said to me, you know, I, I, I don't I don't have that type of personality or um, I don't know what to say in certain times or I don't know what to do and sometimes it's hard. And I, this is not a message of you must. This is a message that you need to understand your calling on your life. And preaching the gospel does not mean, you know what, you go and give them the ABC, you know, loving on somebody, uh, fellowshipping with someone, planting a seed with someone. And when I say preach the gospel is that that's our life, the gospel, you know, what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus has done for humanity, the, the, the power of the cross, the victory of our salvation. You know, um, we live out of the finished work of the cross. We don't walk towards the cross. We already have, we already been crucified with Christ. And our life that we live is in the faith in the son of God. Now what Christ has done for us. And out of that, we live out of that knowledge that he's our saviour and he's our Lord. And uh, so, you know, I encourage you just to be you. Don't try and be anyone else but you. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a hungry world out there wanting to know hope and, and know truth. And Jesus is the truth. You know, a lot of people say to me, I don't know which way to go. Well, it's pretty simple. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. So go to Jesus in every situation of your life and be prepared to be used by God in this very important time of our life. Sometimes we need to take our focus off us and start put our focus on the Lord and ask the Lord what he's trying to do through us and with us in this time of need. So, but I want to encourage you tonight, I, I, you know, if you can go to, you know what, we'll go to Isaiah 61 and then we might go to, well, we're definitely going to go to Luke 4, but we'll go to Isaiah 61. So I want to just go back to the Old Testament a little bit here, and I just want to share that my message is, you know, put on the garment of praise. And we, you hear a lot in the Bible says put off and put on, put off and put on. Um, so I want to read this and, we'll, and we'll get into it, and we'll see where the Lord takes us. But in Isaiah 61 verse 1, this might sound familiar to someone, but this is Isaiah um, writing, and it says this, the spirit of the Lord, God is upon me because He, the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open, open and the opening of the prison to those who are, who are bound and to proclaim the accept, acceptable year of the Lord. And he goes on to say that, and, and, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for their mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. That's up to verse 10. And it's interesting to see that if you have a look at that, if you... Um, understand 
what Isaiah is saying here, he's speaking about the coming of the mechanic coming of the Messiah. So if you will to go to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. I'll give you a chance to get there. And it talks about uh, Jesus going into the synagogue. 4.16. Thanks, Becky. And if you have a look, and it says here, I'm just going to read it quickly, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So just to give you a bit of a background before I read it. Jesus is in the Sabbath. He's in the synagogue. They give him a scroll. He opens up the scroll, and the, the scroll, the teaching of that day was Isaiah 61. And look what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And if you keep reading in verse 4, he talks about he closes the scroll and then he sits down and then he says to everyone in the synagogue, this scripture today has been fulfilled in me. And they were shocked. And we'll talk about why he sat and what he said that. I wanted to share an analogy here that in Isaiah 61 is a prophet uh, talking about the future coming of the Messiah. And Jesus here is reading that same scripture says, oh, it's fulfilled in me. Now, if you read those two um, scriptures that we just read, it changes a little bit. Jesus uses some other scriptures to put in there. And it's amazing when he says, he goes, he recovers the sight to the blind. Now, we can look at that as spiritual blindness and we can look at that as natural blindness. But either way, Jesus was talking about he has come as the Messiah to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 61. And I love when Isaiah 61, if you go back one, it says that he, at the end of it, he says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And in, in Luke, it talks about the, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is the acceptable year of the Lord? If you understand Jewish culture and Jewish history, there was a year of Jubilee and it was called the year of favour. And what would happen every 50 years, that when the year of Jubilee would come, it was the acceptable year. It was a year that all debts are off. So if you couldn't pay a debt and someone took your land or you started to work for, for someone that owns your land or, or whatever, whatever debts you had, it was all debts are off. So you give back your land, you give back, if you'd write off all debts, someone owed you money, you, you would wipe that debt. If you owed someone you, you owed someone else money, they'd wipe the debt. It was a year of favour, the year of jubilee. And here it's this proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. And it's talking about when Jesus comes and he goes to the cross, that all the debts that we were cried against us, according to the law, was paid in full. Amen. But he adds here that, he heals the broken heart and brings and proclaims liberty to the ones that are in bondage. See, when Jesus came in Isaiah 61, it talks about Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. But Jesus doesn't talk about the second coming. He talked about his first coming. And it's something you need to understand. So let's go back to 61. I want to share that Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, people say to me all the time, oh, Jesus knew what was happening. That's why he fulfilled it. Because no, 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 no. Jesus came. And prophecy was fulfilled. Jesus wasn't going to a manual, a book, and saying, well, at this day I better say this, and at this day I better say that. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Jesus, the, the prophets would speak about the coming Messiah, and Jesus fulfilled all prophecy. But here, if you have a look, in the, and it says, uh, Isaiah 61, and it says here, after it says, um, the, uh, verse 2, it says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and it says, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. And then look at this, and oil, the oil of joyful mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. You know, we're living in a time now where there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people unsure about tomorrow, unsure about the future. There's a lot of mourning going on. There's a lot of brokenness going on. But the Bible says here that he will comfort those who mourn and bring oil for the joy of mourning. I love that promise. He says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
You know, it's an amazing thing that when you know when you feel heavy, it's like you're wearing a cloak on you and it's a heavy garment. The spirit of heaviness comes upon you. You know, I say this often, God never gave us a spirit of fear. So it's a spirit. It's, a, it's an external spirit that weighs us down. But we have to understand, he says, put on the garment of praise. He'll give us the garment of praise. And if you look through the whole New Testament, it says, put on and put off. Put on the armor of God. Put off the flesh. Put on the new man. Put off the, the, the lust of the flesh. Do not fulfill them. And you see all these, these, these terminologies. And it's amazing when you see in the Old Testament, see the Old Testament, we said this a million times, is, this, is the natural to show us the supernatural. So the Old Testament conceals and the New Testament reveals. The Old Testament conceals Christ, the New Testament reveals Christ. The Old Testament was sent in the natural, so he, we can see it in the physical, so we know what it means in the spiritual. We know this through the Old Testament where the law was a shadow and type. It was a natural law pattern to show you a spiritual meaning. The Bible says that Moses made the Ark of the Covenant and he had to make it the tabernacle to the exact measurements as God told him because that was an earthly tabernacle to replicate what's in heaven. And we see the whole picture through the whole Bible. If you go down to verse 10 in Isaiah, it's something I learned many years ago. It really blessed me. And it says here in verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Where, look what it says there. I'll be, I'll will greatly rejoice in my Lord. Who is our Lord? Jesus Christ. For, and my soul will be joyful in my God. Who we, who are we meant to be joyful in? In our God. I love to be joyful in my job, in my achievements, in my money, in my ministry, in my gifting. But that's not that. That's not joy. That's what I do for the kingdom. That's what I do for. But my joy has to be in the Lord. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Can someone say amen? I will greatly rejoice in my Lord, which is talking about Jesus, and my soul shall be joyful in my God. Look what he says. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Stop right there. What does he mean by he, he clothed me with the garments of salvation? And he's put a robe of righteousness on me. In the Old Testament, when God ordained the law and, and, and built the tabernacle, and he made a pledge, he said to Aaron, Moses' brother, he says, Aaron, you and your sons will be priests to God forever. And everyone after your lineage will be high priests or be priests in that lineage. And there were some certain conditions. And one of them was to build the tabernacle precisely where the altar, where they put the sacrifices on. And I'm not going to get into that, but it's, it's an amazing thing. Had to be a certain way, built a certain width, a certain height, certain depth. Had to use gold and, and wood and all these different things. But it was amazing that the priesthood, which Jesus is our great high priest. And we might recap on that a little bit. But Jesus... Um, someone's mic. Someone's not muted. Sorry, guys. Back. So the priesthood was done in a certain way. Now this is one of the things. The priesthood had to be symbolic of the great high priest that would come one day. Now, when Adam sinned, before there was any law, before there was any Ten Commandments, before there was any sacrifices, before any of that, Adam sinned. Adam was uh, created by God, and from Adam's disobedience, sin reigned through man. He was the son of God known in, the, in Genesis. But Jesus comes as the last Adam, he's a life-giving spirit. Through uh, Adam's disobedience, sin reigned through all mankind. Are you with me? So before there was any law judging you by a law, a Ten Commandments, were under the curse of Adam, were under the death of Adam because of what he had done. Every man, the Bible, Jesus, uh, the God, the Father, when he created heaven and earth, said all things reproduced after its own kind from day one. Nothing's changed 
If you plant a seed, which is an apple tree, you're not going to get oranges. You're going to get an apple. And so, and so, so is seed time and harvest time. So Jesus comes in the form of a man, takes on the Adam species. He's clothed with the Adam body. He comes from the Virgin Mary, but his blood type is from God. His father is from God the Father from heaven. And when Jesus went to the cross, he died as Adam. He took on sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became our lamb, our sacrifice, and our high priest. But just to go back one step, so because of Adam's nakedness, the Bible says the minute, see the Adam and Eve were clothed in God's glory. They were clothed in God. We could say it this way. The minute you and I got born again, he clothed us, clothed us with the glory of God in righteousness. We know that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, but do you understand that that was just a part of it? Yes, we had rebelled against God. We had broken God's laws. We are naked before the God. And Jesus takes our place to give us his righteousness. But to show you a shadow and a type, here in Isaiah talks about he clothes us with salvation. Now, a lot of people, if I was to ask you right now, what's salvation? You would 90% of the people would say, that's when I gave my life to Jesus and I was born again. And that's how we, we look at salvation to the day we, we, we repented and received Jesus. But the word salvation in the Greek and in the Hebrew means sozo, or the Greek word sozo means body, soul, and spirit. Salvation doesn't just mean I go from death to life. That doesn't just mean I go from hell to heaven. Salvation, so when we talk about salvation, especially in our modern day uh, vocabulary, we talk about the day I got saved or the day I said the sinner's prayer or the day I knelt down and gave my life to Jesus. That's great. But salvation is a lot more than that. Salvation means I'm healed body, soul, and spirit. I'm redeemed body, soul, I'm, I'm holy, I'm righteous. See, God never left anything undone at the cross. But here he says, I'll close you with salvation, the garments of salvation. Now, the old priesthood would do this. If, you have ever, if you've ever seen a priest, um, and I, I should have put a picture up, but the old, if you ever watch The Passion of the Christ or any movies, you'll see the, the robes of the, of the Jews especially the high priest robe. He'd have a big long robe to, the, to his feet. Normally it's white. Then he'd have another robe on top, which normally is blue. And the high priest would have robe on him and he would have bells and pomegranates, which I did this uh, a while ago. Then he'd have the colors, or uh, the 12 colors on his chest with the breastplate. Then he'd have a, a type of turban, which has the word of God. Had all these things on him. But no one would know what was underneath. No one would know if he was wearing any undergarments. You wouldn't know, but God would know. Listen to this. In, the, in, in Exodus chapter 28, we were, I'm not going to go there for time, but he, he said, now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make trousers or breeches. They call them breeches in the King James or garments or trousers, whatever you want. Or we call them long johns or underwear. And they had to be worn and they had to cover from his waist to his ankles. That was a symbolic to cover their nakedness. Once they put those drawers on or the pants on, for lack of a better word, then they would put the robes on from up top and the priest would come and put all his gear on and he would go and perform the sacrifice at the altar. The only article that he would put on him from the ground was the pants, was the what they would call the, 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 the drawers of salvation or the garment of salvation or the trousers of, of salvation. Look at this prophetic picture. Before anything, the high priest would have to bow down to put his pants on. He would bow down to the ground in humility, in repentance, and put on salvation. In other words, he would put on those drawers to cover his nakedness. And then everything was from above. The robe of righteousness was white. The blue robe represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The bells and the pomegranate represents the gifts of the Spirit. The colors represents all these different giftings. The word of God put on their, on their mind, symbolic. Everything was from above. Are you getting the picture? Once we bow to the Lordship of Jesus, we put on salvation. Here he talks about the garments of salvation. This is Old Testament, yeah? Are you with me? And then he says this. Then he covers us with the robe of righteousness. And then it says, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, 
and as a bride adores herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes things that are, are sown into it spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring from before all the nations. Hallelujah. When I understand, let me let me let me let me put it in a nutshell. If you're saved by the blood of Jesus, what should be coming out of your mouth is not what the world's saying, not the complaints of the world, not what we the government should be doing. What should be coming out of our mouth is what's it say here? Righteousness and praise. Hallelujah. See, there's no point in us reading our Bible, praying in tongues, fasting, meditating on God's word, worshiping God. And the minute hardship comes, we sound like everyone else that doesn't go to church, that doesn't read their Bible, that doesn't understand the gift of God. We are saved for a living hope. We are covered in the garments of salvation, which means we deserved hell, but we get heaven. And out of that, we live out of our righteousness. See, if I'm living towards righteousness, I'll never obtain it. But I need to know that Jesus saved me, so I must live out of my righteousness, my holiness in God. We spend a lot of time in this group talking about spending time with God because what is being sown on the earth or sown in our hearts must come forth in a time. See, we're, everyone's looking at the moment. Everyone's looking for an answer. And I'll guarantee you, no matter how hard we try, it won't be coming from man. And I love if you go back to Isaiah 61, back to verse 2, it says, the vengeance of the Lord. See, Jesus never said that in Luke. Jesus read up to, to 2, but he left out the day of the vengeance of, of God because that's speaking about his second coming. That's speaking about when he comes back to restore all things. So if we feel like we've been robbed right now, we've been taken, some things have been stolen off us, what is coming out of our mouth? The only one that's going to bring vengeance is Jesus himself. No one's going to bring it for you. The Bible says, put on praise. Now, what I want to what I mean by that is that in Old Testament, they did it physically. In New Testament, we do it by faith. We What comes out of our mouth has to be praise, has to be glory, has to be honor, has to be all. Has to, we have to glorify Jesus. Look what he says here. In, the, in 61, it says, the garment, the, sorry, the oil of joy for mourning. If we're mourning, let the Lord baptize you in the oil of joy. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and that, that they may be called trees of righteousness planted of the Lord that may bring glory or be glorified. See, God needs what we think, what we say, what we believe so he can plant us so we can become a tree of righteousness. The Lord does the planting, but there's something we've got to do. We need to believe and trust and move forward in the things of God. We need to put off there, you know, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. To show you, this is not just Old Testament. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. It says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put off the put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old man and put on the new man. If you read a bit further, Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Put on the new nature. The new nature is what? The minute you decide to walk in God's character, the minute you decide to walk in God's nature, you've put on the new man. The minute I start to conform to the patterns of this world and the flesh of this world, I'm putting off the I'm putting on the old man. That's why fasting deals with the old man. Fasting deals with the, as Rab says, the wineskin. Because the old man wants to rise his ugly head every day. Who hasn't got it? Right, I'm fighting my flesh very hard at the moment. Because I'm seeing the injustice that's happening out there. I get a call probably every hour on the hour about what shall I do from people in our in our world and people outside my world. I get a call every hour on the hour, if not before. And yet my flesh arises because there's a lot of injustice. But if I allow my emotions to take me, I'll end up in the flesh thinking I'm doing a good thing. But you know what needs to come out of my mouth? Praise. That I'm praising my father that he's returning. I look at all the Old Testament stories 
And I look at every one of them that God moved on their behalf. Guess what? It was all because they praised him. Paul and Silas in the jail on the midnight hour, they praised God. They sang hymns and songs to God. We, we, we got to put on Christ. See, if we put on Christ, we get the wisdom of Christ in every situation. Because I want the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord does not come because they give me my job back. Because I know a lot of miserable people that have got a lot of jobs. My joy is in what Jesus has done for me and where Jesus has taken me. See, if I let my mind wander and start thinking of the future, there's no hope. Because where it looks like now, they've all got us bound. But you know what? He'll, he'll, he'll change my ashes for joy. What's he say? He'll take my mourning. Uh, yeah, he'll change my ashes from, from, from ashes to beauty. That's his promise. Now, they used to read this scripture in the Old Testament and they used to give them hope. How much more us now when Jesus has fulfilled that scripture? That Jesus said, you know what he says in Luke? He says, you know, it's, let's go to Luke. I want to show you something, which I never saw before. Let me go to Luke. Go to back to Luke chapter 4. This actually um, blew my mind a bit. Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. And it says, this is Jesus' mission statement. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set liberty those, or freedom if you, if you wish, those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he says, he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And that's amazing. I wish I could get this up. Give me one sec. He sat down and see, they weren't shocked when he read the scripture. The Bible says that he sat down and they all their eyes were fixed on him. See if I can bring this up. No, I lost it. But there's, I had a picture up here and it was called the Seat of Moses. And it was in the synagogues. And it was like a, it was like a carved seat out of rock. And it was, and, and, and it was in the synagogue. And scholars say, and, and the story goes that Jesus, when he sat, he didn't just, well, I used to read this thing, or he sat down and said, this is scriptures fulfilled, and they got upset because he was claiming to be the Messiah. But he sat down at the seat of Moses. It was a, it was a carved seat, so it was normal, normal rock, and it was always empty because the seat of Moses is where the seat of the Messiah would sit one day. And Jesus sat on that seat, and they all looked at him and said, what's he doing? And he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And the Bible says he so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which were proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Look at this. And look what Jesus says. He said to them, you surely say that this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have, have heard done in Capernaum, also here in your country. Here it says, there's a proverb that says, Physician, heal yourself. In other words, the, the, the Proverbs was talking about the Messiah would come and bring healing. Many people came claiming to be the Messiah many times in Jerusalem, but no one could heal. And here Jesus says, I know you're going to say now, you're going to say, physician, heal yourself. And he says, but whatever you heard in the Capernaum, the healings I was doing over there will be done here in this country. Then he says, surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you, truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent to except for Zarephi in the region of the Sidon. 
to the woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in that time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Nehemiah, the Syrian. And I read that today and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And what was Jesus saying to these people who knew this story very well? He's saying what the miracles you're seeing in Capernaum will happen in this town, in this country. And he was saying here, you're going to say to me, oh, physician, heal yourself. Okay. Then he talks about in the famine. Now, this is what the Lord spoke to me today. Elijah shut up the heavens for three and a half years, basically. And he says here, but only God allowed Elijah to go to one widow. That's recorded. And Elisha to one person, one leper in a time of distress, in a time of famine. Can I get the charge on my phone? Down here? Sorry, guys, my battery's gone for that. Listen to me. We're in a time of famine. Famine of different reasons. We're in a time of distress. We're in a time of a, of a type of tribulation. Here Jesus is saying, in that time, in the famine, we're now locked up because of droughts and no food. God dealt with one widow. God dealt with one leper through the prophets. But here now, Jesus is saying, that's at that time. But now the Messiah has come. Hallelujah. And it's not about one widow or one it's about all of us understanding that we have been clothed in the garment of praise and we have been clothed with the garment of salvation. Jesus is, is declaring here, I'm the Messiah and I've come to set the captives free. Hallelujah. Yeah. Heal the broken heart. This is Jesus' mission statement. And no matter where you are right now, I want you to understand what comes out of your mouth is very important. We have our times when we're down. We have our times when we've been booted. We've had our times when we're angry. We've had our times when it's not fair. We've had our times where there's doubt. But let me let me assure you, don't stay there. Make sure that you understand that the oil of joy is upon you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And as he says here, one lady got touched in the famine. One leper got touched in the famine. He goes, but there's someone greater than Elijah. There's someone greater than uh, Elisha. There's someone greater than David. There's someone greater than Moses. There's someone greater than Isaac. There's someone greater than Jacob. There's someone greater than Solomon. There's someone greater than all these people. There's one greater that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. And he says, I give this to you as the church. We are the compass of what goes on now. What is coming out of our mouths? He said, oh, recovering the sight of the blind. There's so many people spiritually blinded at the moment. There's so many people that understand who they, who they are in Christ at the moment. See, I live out of sonship. I live out of the righteousness of God. I live out of it. I'm not trying to obtain it. See, it's, it's a funny thing. When I live out of my righteousness, I have permission. I have adoption from the Father that every time I step into my calling when God draws me into his presence when I'm reading his word God's doing a work on the inside of me why he wants me to come to maturity we got to get out of the flesh out of the emotions out of what we see and look upon what Jesus sees had a, my, one of my first pastors called me the other day I'm talking 19 years ago one of the wonderful man he had baptized me in the Holy Spirit and it was amazing and he was a lovely guy uh, he's right up the top of North Queensland somewhere. And I was having a bit of a chat with him and he said something. He said, I asked the Lord the other day, and he was talking to me. He's a real Aussie ocker, you know, a real Aussie. He said, I asked the Lord the other day, what do I tell these young preachers and young pastors? What do I do? And I'm waiting for it. Yeah, what did he say? What did he say? You know what he said? <laughs> he said, the Lord said to him, business as usual. So isn't that like the Lord? Business as usual. In other words, Nothing changes. Our hope is not in anything else but Christ and Him crucified. Our hope is not that He's nothing but Him that He provides all our needs according to His riches and glory. See, this is where faith has to rise up on the inside of us. One of my old mentors um, uh, was um, she was a single mother. She raised three kids, and and she had, she, she was always in need financially because you know she couldn't only work so many hours. And she just loved God and trusted God. And guess what? Every time there was a need, she'd go down to her little box and guess what? There was money in her little box. 
someone will put money in her letterbox. One day she was driving. She she wanted to take her kids to a camp. She couldn't afford it. So she said, look, I'll go with you. I'll drive you. She said, fine. And she's driving. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, pull over. you got a flat tire. And she pulled over. She looked. She got out of the car. And there was no flat. And all of a sudden, bang, the tire blew. And I'm just telling you these stories to say that God is our protector. God is our provider in every situation. And right here, right now, we've got a lot going on in our world. But he wants us to praise him. And all things give thanks and praise. And if you have the spirit of heaviness, listen to me, put on the garment of praise. If you, can, if you can't lift your hands, let the Lord lift them for you. you know, when Moses, they're winning the battle as his hands were up, and when he started to get tired, they were losing the battle. So Joshua and Caleb held his hands up. So we're here for one another to keep our hands up. We're here for one another to keep rejoicing in the things of, the, of God. I said to someone the other day, if, uh, if this is over, like some people think, it's all over, we're finished, look up, your salvation is near. So what are you worried about? Jesus is coming back to get us. I think it's far from over. There's so much God wants us to do. You have to understand right now, it's a time to preach the gospel, time to praise him. Time, see, if the oil of joy is upon you, the people that are hurting who have no hope will come to you. Listen to me very carefully. He hasn't saved us just to get to heaven. Like Rab says, that's the beginning. Praise mm -hmm. God. Do you spend the rest of your life? I'm born again 19 years this September. And if all I ever did come every day and show you my, my uh, if, I, if I was born and I got a picture of my baby photos, I showed you that to you every week. You'd say that's nice the first time, the second time, maybe the third time. After that, that guy's a weirdo. He keeps showing his baby photos. I'm a 51-year-old man and I'm showing you my baby photos. That's like saying 19 years ago I got saved. All I ever tell you is that when I got saved and I do nothing else, what have I, what have I achieved? What have I done? but we need to move forward in what God has done for us. He hasn't saved us from to. What's he saved us from? It's not about, it's not, it's not about, I got saved, I'm going to heaven. Whoopie-doo. Imagine getting to heaven one day and knowing, looking back and saying, this is what I had for you, and you missed out. We're already seated in heavenly places. He's come to take residence with us. God's not waiting for us to get to heaven to say, God lives within us right now. And I'm feeding on the beautiful things of God. I'm thinking, God, who's, 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 um, the other day my wife said to me, there's a, there's a brother who is not on fellowship with us, anything, but I've been speaking to him on and off. My wife goes, ring him, ring him, he's on my heart. Ring him, ring him, he's on my heart. So finally I rang him today. He tells me he has to isolate because somebody, um, he came in contact with someone who's got COVID. So I encouraged him that, God's got you in the palm of your hand. And, you know, God gave my wife a word and I'm ringing you just to catch up with you. So I had, I had a time off today. And he says, I'd love to, but I'm in isolation. See, God's got a mission field out there for us now. And how many more like him? How many more need to hear the joy of the Lord? How many need to know not the problems, but what's the solution? And it's hard to hear all day, every day hearing stuff. What do we do? What do we do? All I can say is go back to Jesus. He will give you the wisdom of God. I can tell you, I can point you, but it's ultimately your job. Because he says you put on the garment of salvation. You put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You put it on. See, internally, think about this for a second. Old Testament was external. New Testament is internal. In other words, what comes out of my mouth is very important. I love... In Isaiah 61, it says, I'll rejoice in the Lord, and my joy comes from my God. It's very similar to what Mary said when the angel appeared on her and said, you'll give birth to a son, your name is Emmanuel. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Praise be to Jesus. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
I've got nothing else to tell you, but rejoice in the things of God. The work he started in you and I, he will complete. Don't abort the mission. Don't now stop doing what is right. Don't now despise small beginnings. Hey, there's little victories every day. I hear things. I, I know people are doing a lot of good things every day. It's not over. It's just the beginning. We are born for such a time as this. Hallelujah. So I want to leave you with that tonight. I, I, wanna, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I really wanted to, to, to impress on you that it's there's a condition. He says, you put on. You put on. You put off the old man. When I see my old man starting to rise up, and hey, he's not dead. I know me better. <laughs> I know me better than you know me. I always got to consistently turn back and say, you know what, Lord, my flesh wants to do this. I'm ready to become a vigilante. <laughs> but Christ, He brings the vengeance. He's going to bring that day. He's the one that's going to fight our battles for us. I love what it says in um, Romans 13. It says, put on Jesus Christ. Put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. When we read the word lust, we always think of, um, you know, sexual things or greedy things. But the lust of the flesh is anything that it covets. If only I could have this back again and go back to normal and, and, and we'll do things based on, you know, if I only just was going back to what, and there is no going back. We're the bride of Christ. We're married to another named Jesus. We're not Lot's wife. Lot was uh, Lot's wife. Look back. Her heart was in that place. But it was never going to be the same again. God was about to destroy it. He said, don't look back. She looked back because that's where her heart was. Our hearts now, if our hearts are what it used to be like, what we should be like, what they owe us, put that before the Lord and let him change it. I guarantee you, life will never be the same again. It's going to be better. It's going to be better because our trust is in what? Hope that God has given us. The hope is in the Lord. Our joy is in the Lord. You know, we didn't, can I say it this way? Let's not be like the Israelites looking back and say, Moses, you brought us out here in the desert to kill us. At least we had food in Egypt. Some of us want to go back to bondage to think that's where it should be. But God's ready to move on our behalf. But he's looking for a church, a people, a family that is willing to believe on him and to move forward in the things of the spirit. I can't express it enough that there's a joy that comes upon you. The flesh is weak. You know, the flesh is weak at the moment. But look at this. We're looking for a little bit of hope on this and hope on that. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Let's put him first in every way. Every way, let's give thanks to him. Let's give him praise and honor. Let's just kill the flesh totally. For the Lord is good and his mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. And there's so much out there. There's so much out there that can discourage us. Because you know what? It's the tactic of the enemy. I guarantee you tomorrow an announcement will come. They're going to give you something for this. And then they take it off you in two seconds. What, are you, what is it doing? Our hope is in what's going to happen. You know what? Sit tight and hang on. Buckle up your seatbelt and, ser and serve our master. My philosophy is pretty simple. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stand firm and trust in God. And this is it. Declare his word over your life. So when we put on Christ, we put on the mind of Christ, then the Holy Spirit in us will get us to declare things. The Holy Spirit will get us to declare things. You know what is faith? If I could easily get something, I don't need faith for it. Just do it. It's simple. But when I have to now, oh, trust God for something, that's called faith. I have to trust the fact that God's going to provide all his needs according to his riches and glory. He's going to provide all my needs for the riches and glory. Here, I'm going to trust God that the covering of my house is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus' anointings are upon my house. 
that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. See, we say it, but now we have to believe it. Because Jesus is asking for a people to rise up. You know, when he cursed the fig tree, it's amazing. He cursed the fig tree, and then he went, the next day, he just cursed it and walked away. It was only until Peter brought her back to his remembrance the next day and said, Lord, look at the tree. He goes, you think that's good? I tell you, if, if you have faith, as small as, you can say to that mountain, be moved and cast into the sea. Jesus was using his authority and says, I'll give it to you. He was actually given us the authority by faith. Think about that for a second. Jesus curses a fig tree. So he takes a, a, a physical tree and it dies. It doesn't impress him. But when the disciples saw it, wow, look at that tree, he's dead. And he goes, yeah, bro, if you have faith as small as the mustard seed, say to that mountain, you say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And do not doubt in your heart, and you'll have whatever you say you have. A lot of preachers have taken that context and said, all right, declare a car. You're going to have a brand new Mercedes car. Name it and claim it. That's rubbish. That's rubbish to its core. That's just dealing with the flesh. I might need a car. Lord, I need you. You know, you know what I need. Uh, you're my provider. Remember, I'll tell you a story. Remember years ago, um, um, going through hell and back financially, and what happened was I needed a car, and I got a job. And I'll tell you how much God is gracious. So I said, me, look, there's a, I was doing, uh, back in those days, uh, consulting, finance consulting. I worked for myself. But a job came, and the job had uh, a company car and commissions and work from home, basically. So I applied for the job, which I really didn't want to, but I knew I had to do something. So I applied for the job, and to the point where I forgot to put my phone number on the resume. So he said, the guy sends me an email back and says, um, look, we'd love to give you an interview, but you haven't put your uh, phone number, contact details. I went, oh, okay, sorry, man. There was a mistake, a typo. So I go into the interview, and it was a role play. So I had to go to the interview, and then I had to do a role play with it. It was a bit weird, but I'll explain it later. And in the role play, I got angry with the guy asking me all these questions, and I went off at him in this role play. And then I thought, oh, wow, I've lost this. I'm not going to get this job because I send my resume. I have no contact details, and then – I go to this role play and I want to nearly bash the guy in the interview. Because what it was, was we were working for a finance company which dealt with the superannuation companies and the unions. So I was going to be a blue collar and go out to the union sites and talk to them about uh, the, the the bank. It's like a, a, like a, like a building society which was funded by the superannuation which is in, in bed with the unions. So you can imagine going onto a job site in the city and they're all rough, rough as guts, guts um, builders and they think you're trying to steal something from them and you're trying to tell them, oh, we've got good bank accounts, no fees, no charges, all profits go back in and that sort of thing. So they did a role play and then they did it in a way where I'm on a job site and the guys have been arrogant to me and how would I handle that? So I answered the questions the best I could and then I got angry. And then I looked at the guy, like that look that, you know, anyway. So I thought, you know, that, that job's dead. So I leave the interview thinking I'll stuff that one up, get in the car. By the time I got home, I got the job. So hang on a second. I get a job. I don't even put my contact details. Um, I, I wrecked the interview. I thought I wrecked the interview. Everything against me. And by the time I got home, I got the job. I want to ask you something. God provided, now, that's not God's best for me, but that was a place in my life where God said, this is where I want you to be for a season. And then I thought, okay, I'll get a company car. I've got all these provisions. The money wasn't great, but it was a place where God provided my needs. He knew what I needed at that time, and he gave it to me. And everything I did was wrong, God still provided my needs. So I knew enough to know that that was a place where God wanted me to be for a season. And it was. And I want to share with you, that was a dark time for me. Dark time financially, uh, dark time in every way. Um, I could, you know, I've, you've heard the story, but God still provided. 
I know enough to know that God will never leave us. The Bible says that I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. He won't forsake us or the righteous begging for bread. If someone knows that scripture can throw it up there. Yeah. It's a very important one. That just came to my spirit early on and I just never looked it up. Um, never seen the righteous forsaking or begging for bread, something like that. In other words, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's not going to leave us hanging. He's not going to leave us without. He's not going to throw us in the heap. It might seem like that to the flesh, but he always provides our, our needs in every way. It's amazing when the early church were carrying the persecution and they were they were all, um, was it Psalm 37.25? Let me pull it up. I want to read that to you. I think it's dropped in my spirit earlier. And I, uh, Psalm. Hallelujah. 37. And it says. No, that's the wrong one. Oh, yes, no, it's the right one. I have been young and now I'm old, and yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. I was young, but now I'm old. He's talking about his life. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken and his descendants begging for bread. He's never seen us forsaken we know that he's never going to leave us nor forsake us and our children's children will never be begging for bread that's the promise from the father hallelujah god is a good god he's a merciful god Isaiah 61 if you read it in context and read it now through the eyes of jesus that he's come to fulfill Isaiah 61 and he went on to talk about the famine we might be in a bit of a famine now, depending on where you are in your life. Things aren't where it should be. Not just us. This is a worldwide thing. And he says that one widow got helped. Only one. One leper got healed. Only one. But he's saying, you know what he's saying in context? He's saying, but I have come now that you might have life and life in the fullness. I have come now that every widow will be fed, that every uh, leper will be healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm looking for people who are getting COVID so we can pray for them. We're looking who's sick. Let us know so we can go and pray for them. They'll be healed. Hallelujah. Because the fear is getting people more than the disease itself. We need to understand that we need to bring hope and joy, but it has to flow through us. We need to be trees of righteousness planted near the river of the living water and giving glory to the Father. So I want to encourage you that he has closed, he's already clothed us from the inside out. Praise be to Jesus. Jesus said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. And this is, I'm speaking to someone or all of us here. Do not allow the enemy to rob your joy. Your joy is in the Lord. The Bible says that our joy is complete in knowing the what Jesus has done for us at the cross. Our joy is, has, is anchored and rooted in the love of, of God. We are rooted and grounded. So that means we are so embedded in the love of the Father to understand that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And out of that comes trust and belief. And it's according to our faith. So God wants us to understand so take off this, the garment of heaviness and put on the garment of praise and fulfill your calling in your life. This is just the beginning. We need to see the, what Jesus sees. We need to, to understand what, what, what Jesus sees. The word of God is not just to, uh, uh, to, to help me, to satisfy me, to uh, encourage me. Yes, it is. But out of that, we come and overflow to others. We encourage one another. We, we, we bring healing to those that need healing through the finished work of the cross. 
Praise be to Jesus. And I thank him every day for the preparation in our hearts to go forward in the things of the kingdom. You know, what we when we when we see things and when we, we look at things from a natural point of view, it looks bleak. Just like the disciples saw Jesus hanging on a cross. But he healed the sick. He walked on water. No one could touch him. Even the, 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 the soldiers, when they came to get him in the garden, they fell over. And they're thinking in their minds, how can this now end up there? They didn't understand what God was doing. Sometimes we don't understand what God is doing. But we anchor and we stay put, we stay steadfast. We're unshakable, we're unmovable. And what comes out of our mouth is joy. Because my joy is in the Lord. If I go today, if he comes against me, or they kill me, I'm going to be with him. What did Paul, oh, I said this last time, I think, what did Paul know that we don't know? What did Paul see that we can't see? He said, to me here, it's beneficial to live, but it's but it's better, to, it's gain if I die. I'd rather be with him, but I've got a purpose to do. There's no mistake that we're in this time and place in the earth. And we're looking forward to great harvest. There's a harvest that's coming that is here. And this is the time for us to, Take our focus on what we can do and say, God, what do you want to do? You give me, you give me that direction. You give me that wisdom. I need your wisdom, Lord. What am I meant to do? Is God uncomfortably making us comfortable now? Is He is He uprooting us and putting us in places where we don't want to be? Because we we've got so used to a certain pattern. I don't know. This is between you and God. What do I do now? One thing. He never leave us nor forsake us. So I want to finish off with uh, a story. Um, I'll leave it to next week. I was going to tell you a story, but leave it to next week. Um, and bad news can penetrate your heart. You might start getting bad news. I heard this one's sick and that guy's sick and this guy's sick and that guy's sick. But let me tell you the good news. Yeah? I can tell you how many people are getting healed. I can tell you how many people are looking upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith. I can tell you how many people are getting born again. People that know of God, know of Jesus, but now they know Jesus. See, this is what I rejoice in. I'm rejoicing in the fact that God's got a great purpose and plan for us. And the end is going to be better than we're at the beginning. Amen. So I want to finish off in prayer. Uh, there's some people in hospital. Um, sorry. Um, and you know what? You got to understand something. The, the the decree of the Lord is when we when we proclaim something. I, I spoke about uh, proclaiming the word of God, and I want to show you how powerful proclamation is. Every day at eleven o'clock, they proclaim something. Every day the media opens up, they proclaim something. And have you noticed the spirit realm hit people? Have you noticed people go down in their emotions? You only have to walk down the street to hear what's going on for an hour. You're only allowed to walk for an hour. But that's a that's a proclamation. They're proclaiming. Now, what I heard the other day was too many cases, the 300 cases. Now there's 1,200 cases. Oh, we're not interested in the cases. Don't be alarmed about the cases. We're, we're looking at something else now. Like, and they throw things out and we don't decipher because what we do, we allow them to hit our spirit. There's only 120 people in ICU. But when we see that, that's a proclamation. But we're going to proclaim that our word from our Father greater than the words they're speaking over this nation. We're going to declare that the righteousness of God will overcome the unrighteousness of the enemy. We're going to declare that the healing power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon this land. We're going to declare over our city, our jobs, over our families that nothing's going to touch them. We're going to declare the truth of God's word over the enemy's lies. See, this is time to fight. We're going to turn off the TV and turn on worship. When someone says, look, you don't know what happened today, because I don't need to know what happened today. Five things that were spoken last week on air, you go to the website, it's all wrong. Because we just believe whatever we hear. We believe what the next door neighbor says. That's, that's, 
pull away all the veil and say, you know what, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to listen to? Who do you want me to talk to? It's not going to go outside his word. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about everyday stuff. And watch God's favour come upon you. God's looking for a people that will believe him. God's looking for a people that will praise him in every situation. Think about this for a second. The world or Jesus? They're taking stuff off the world off me, but I still got Jesus. You can't take Jesus off me. They want to, I will give you a bit of this and take that off you, give you this and get that, but you can't take my Jesus. I got the best thing ever, Jesus. He's my master. He will deliver me in every situation. You know, the three Hebrew boys, I'll finish off this story. Three Hebrew, Hebrew boys. I want to preach on that soon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were told to worship the king. He was God in their mind. And they wouldn't bow down. And they knew where they prayed every day. They prayed a certain time and they arrested them. They, made, they put them in a fire. And that fire was made seven times hotter. People that made the fire got burnt. But I want to ask them, look at this. They go in the fire and they said, whether God delivers us or doesn't deliver us, he's still our God and we won't bow to you. Whether we burn in this fire or we don't burn in the fire, God is still our deliverer and we won't bow to you. And he went in there and they could see. And, and the Bible says, if you look at the, the start, they threw him in. Sometimes you get the Sunday school definitions where they open the door, they walk in, they shut the door, they shut the fire. No, they threw them from the top, they would have fell down to the bottom and they're in this furnace. And the king's looking through and they go, look, didn't we throw three men in there? Yeah, yeah. Hang on, but how come we can see a fourth man in there? How come we see a man in there that looks like the son of man? Guess who came and delivered him? The pre-incarnated Jesus, the son of man. The fourth man stood with him in the furnace, in the fire, to deliver them. They came out, the Bible says, and there was no, not even a smoke smell on their clothes. The Hebrew people were in the wilderness complaining, not one of their clothes wore out. God delivers his people. And this is Old Testament. How much more Jesus, the Son of God, seated at the right hand of the Father, who's opened up the windows of heaven for us, and he's pouring out a blessing on us. Do we trust him? So we're going to pray for everyone in hospital that we know. I want you to agree with me in faith. We won't see the supernatural touch of God, but I want to pray for the, for the people in the hospital and the nurses and the doctors that they may get a revelation who Jesus is. So, Father, I thank you. That looks bleak. That the world is like Jairus' family. Don't bother coming. She's dead. He says she's not dead. She's asleep. So, Lord, I thank you, Father, that your power of your anointing will touch everyone in that hospital beds right now. Every word is spoken over them. Every lie that's spoken over them. Every disease that comes upon them. Father, we can't cast it out in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your words. That every word that comes out of the media's mouth, Lord, that you would shut the mouth of the enemy that the voice of the Lord will be triumphant over every word of the enemy. Let every word spoken fall to the ground. That's not of you. I thank you for complete restoration, Lord. I thank you for the wave of the Holy Spirit to touch every single person from the sound of my voice, Lord. Now, every time we open our mouth and declare, we ignite a fire in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for salvations that you've prepared, Lord. Thank you for the healing power that you're sending around Australia and around the world. Lord, I give you praise and honour. I give you thanks right now that we are the light and the soul of the earth. We are the light of the gospel here, that we would manifest your truth to them, Father. And I thank you for us that's listening to me, Lord, that, that we can take off the spirit of heaviness and look at Jesus and put on the praise, the garment of praise, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be manifested, Lord, that even when we walk into a room, they feel the presence of the almighty God. Thank you for your wonderful grace and mercy. Without you, Jesus, we can do nothing. I thank you, Father, that we declare that Jesus is Lord over Sydney, Australia, 
Lord, over Australia, and Lord, that you would take your, your premise over this nation, that you lift up the hearts of these men and women in politics and they can see a revelation who Jesus is, that their eyes will be fixed, they see the enormous sacrifice you did on that cross, Lord, and we come against the lies of the enemy. Lord, I ask you to protect our minds and our hearts. We give you praise and honour. We thank you for that. We declare with the finished work of the cross that Jesus said, take me of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I give you praise and honour for that. I thank you for that, Father. I thank you, Father, that you would ignite our spirits, saturate our soul, that we may be, we may glorify your name in us and through us, Father. We are willing vessels to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. We need your wisdom and your revelation, Father. We thank you. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want the wisdom of God. And I pour this before you on the altar of grace. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that we can be faithful in everything you have given us. I ask you to protect every household, Father. The minds of the children. One of the young teenagers, the adults, there's the spirit of death roaming around. But, Lord, we know we are the spirit of life. You're a life-giving spirit. And I lift them up for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So bless you guys. Thank you for listening. Those on YouTube or on, on Facebook, we love you. Contact us if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. First step of salvation. Let him dress you with the garments of salvation. Let him set you free. Let him cover you with his love. You know, Adam and Eve were covered in the glory of God. Then they sinned and then they had to cover them with skin, with fur. But God came and sent his son and put that glory back on us through the finished work of the cross. And now we can live out of a place of sonship, out of a place of family, out of a place of righteousness and holiness equipped by the Holy Spirit. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I give you praise for that. Love you guys. Thank you. Be blessed. Be encouraged. Be courageous. The Bible says be courageous. Stand firm. Do not waver. Do not listen to what the enemy is doing. Only listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you. I will see you on Thursday. In Jesus' name. Have a great week. Bless you.